And hello, everyone. Good evening. I am Joe DeHoyos, the host of Beyond the Woodline, and I uh, have my lovely and talented and graceful co-host, Shannon Rogers. How are you doing, Shannon? I'm good. You always have to throw that graceful in, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah, good. We'll, really yeah, busy, we'll have to fill yeah. Eric, uh, Eric in on that here in a second. Uh, yeah, what you been up to? Just trying to get this Paracon going, get everything going, and I, I, I look forward to it, but I can't wait till it's over with. <laughs> right. And then, you know, I'm doing some security work at, you know, some haunted houses and got some other projects lined up. We've got some production stuff coming soon. So just been super busy and ready to kind of take a break again already, but well, doing good. I'm glad we got our guests on today. Yeah, me too. Curiosities. Well, my son's calling me, but he had to wait. Yeah, so speaking of our guests, we have our guest, Eric, is it Hecker? Is that how you pronounce it? Right. Okay, cool. Eric Eric Hecker. He has his own uh, YouTube channel. It's the Deciphering My Experience. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Cool, man. Yeah, uh, I was telling you off the air before we came on uh, that uh, I kind of came across your channel, and I started looking at some of your stuff, and I was just really, really impressed with everything that you've done in your short life you know <laughs> and uh i said man i gotta have this guy on and then uh it took me a couple of videos before i realized your map on the ceiling that you have there and that was pretty cool uh thanks yep it's a uh, it's uh, antarctica proper where'd you get that from the antarctic program okay. I, I, spent the, I spent a year down on the ice uh 366 days straight officially on the ice with um, the vast majority of that at the South Pole Station itself. I, I say I probably spent less than 12 hours on the front and back end at McMurdo Station coming and going. Okay. Oh, how do you get involved in a program like that? Oddly enough, I just <laughs> I applied online. I was just looking for work at any facility at all at the time the economy had tanked my business was going under and i just applied and i, I got a response back from raytheon was the hiring contractor at the time mm -hmm. um i don't know if you can talk about what kind of work you did down there or not but you know mm -hmm. i was you know, i was hired as a plumber that was my expertise oh really is is what i do and that's what they were looking for me to do down there okay um what are some misconceptions people might have about Antarctica? Oh, that's a that's a great question. A lot of what I do is trying to uh, break these misconceptions. One of the biggest ones out there. This is major misinformation, disinformation. However, you want to categorize it, Antarctica is not off limits. Everybody says that, right? Who right. told them that? The movies. <laughs> You know, where does this propaganda originate? I don't really know where it originates from. I just know the buck stops here with me because I've been to Antarctica. I've spent some some quality time there, and I can assure you there's people coming and going. They're rich people. <laughs> so there's a distinction to be had, you know? Right. Just like not everybody can go to the penthouse. It doesn't mean no one's allowed in the penthouse at the luxury resort. It just means that the peons and the serfs are limited to observing from the street level. Right. That's what people need to understand first and foremost about Antarctica is that it is not off limits. You need to change your perspective 
on the idea of access to Antarctica. Okay. You've just okay. been put in the wrong class. And now feel free to get angry about that. Right. But let's yeah, just that... be angry about the right stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because you hear, uh, as a matter of fact, I think maybe in the last couple of days, I saw someone post something about the ban on Antarctica. You know, there was like a video that someone put out there about the ban on Antarctica. And I said, I got to ask him about that. You know, so I'm glad you uh, set the record straight with that. Um, so, what what is like your day to day that to do down there? I mean, can you go for a jog? Can you uh, take a stroll in the park? Is there even a park down there? Um, you could you could go, <laughs> walking wise, you can go as far as you want in any direction. Um, yeah. there's, there's a history of that working out well for some folks and not so well for other folks. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, they had um, they had recreational stuff that you could do. There was um, skis, plenty of skis. There was a bicycle that was getting used regularly, and there were there were certainly folks, um, what I referred to as station folks, which were folks that had jobs that it didn't require them to exit the building, so they. Right. I called station folks. Okay. They were tolerated to just stay inside through hmm. the whole winter at South Pole. Um, I I had to go outside and go to different buildings and, and check on things. So physically, that was actually very taxing. I didn't have to do anything for um, recreational exercise. There were other folks that, I guess, station folk felt the need to go outside and and ski or bike or something like that, which I totally get, you know, okay. you want to get out of the building. Right. But I, mean, I didn't take any of the skiing or cycling. I was, um, I was usually walking around with so much gear on and tools and dragging sleds of stuff to go to buildings <laughs> and repair things. Um, that was, that was a su sufficient enough workout for me for the day. It's <laughs> something else I was curious. What about like, like wildlife? Did you see a lot of wildlife down there? Not a thing. Um, when really? I was at McMurdo, I saw what was called skua, which is, for all practical purposes, the biggest, meanest seagulls you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> That's what I saw. Um, they're not afraid of people. They'll go after any food that you have. Um, that's the only thing that I saw. And at the South Pole Station, there's nothing. There's you're, you're 850 miles inland from the coast. The only life in Antarctica is on the coast or in the water. Okay. okay. Yeah, outside of that, there's nothing going on. I mean, like, there's conversations of things of, like, lichen and stuff like that embedded in the ice in some sort of, you know, like parts per million. Um, but that's not observable at my scale. All right. Yeah. Um, were there military personnel around at all or? All the time in the in the summer oh, really? season, um, okay. they are they're everywhere because they are running the logistics line. So and they're they're a very prevalent presence. Uh, is are they running secret programs or are they just down there doing their thing? Oh, I think there's tons of um, shady stuff going on. I mean, part of part of what I disclose. Is that yes? There's there's secret facilities and things like that that are wrapped in barbed wire, and then you know you have to have a security pass to get in, and there's all different kinds of security facilities like that, and then you have things that are um, a lot more complex 
in what their mission is. And those facilities you can actually walk right into and there's no barbed wire and they have another sign on them that is just some false pretense. And I suggest that the South Pole Station has no barbed wire around it and is operating under false pretenses all day long. Huh. That's a lot of what I'm disclosing to the world is that, you know, compartmentalization and need to know basis is a very powerful set of tools to have in your toolkit. And that's what I experienced at the South Pole is that under the false pretense of science, there's apparently a lot of other stuff going on that's been invested into to the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars. And I've and I've provided documentation already. So I'm, I'm happy to share with folks um, that are listening that, you know, there's there's equipment down there like the Ice Cube Neutrino Detector, which, you know, there's a, a substantial cover story for what it can do scientifically. And it may be able to do all of the things that it says scientifically. I would never thumb my nose at that. But what I've learned from being associated with these programs is that they love getting multiple returns on their investment. So if the project can do what it's presented as and 16 other things as well, well, that's going to be really good for the for the programs, so to say. And the, the Ice Cube Neutrino Detector, besides having its passive detecting ability as presented for the investment of the tax-paying citizens, it also transmits at a savage level. And I've provided documentation for this. Anybody can go to deciphering.tv, go to the archive section, and look for an item called the DOM document. And in that, I've, I've pointed to the world that the Ice Cube Neutrino Detector has 5,160 of what they call DOMs, digital optical modules. The idea of the DOM as presented is that it, it detects optically the blue flash of light from the reaction between a neutrino, a cosmic light part, a cosmic particle moving close to at or beyond the speed of light, when it comes in contact with the nucleus of an ice molecule at the South Pole, it makes a blue flash of light and turns into a muon. They're stating they're observing the blue flash of light with 5,160 of these DOMs. I've proven that they have paperwork that states that the DOM is multifaceted. Mm -hmm. It also has the ability to transmit at up to 2,047 volts per DOM. That is, wow. makes this a very large phased array transmitting powerful antenna that we can now just add to it the list of all potential evils that any large directed energy weapon could potentially accomplish. Man, that is, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, that's mind blowing. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah this, is, this is big stuff that, I mean, this is, yeah. I, I mean, it is what it is. I've, I've put this information out there, but to be completely honest, the idea hasn't even taken traction in society as to how problematic what I've presented is. It's this is still a very new concept to the amount of people in the world that have heard this topic, right. but it's going to be a big deal soon. Are, are there multiple nations that are down there? Uh, yeah, technically, the the South Pole Station is called the um, the the 
South Pole, the Admonson Scott International South Pole Station. So it's it's titled that for a reason, but you know we see how propaganda works in so many other angles and stuff like that as well. In reality, it's a U.S. run facility. Mm-hmm. Are there a lot of international participants and citizens from other nations there? Absolutely. It's it's very much a melting pot. I'm from New York. I'm familiar with that. It was very comfortable to me to be around all these different folks. I I wonder if that was the norm for everybody else. I only have my experience. I'm very accustomed to it. So could anyone, like any uh, other nation, just decide, hey, I want to build a station down there? Or are they allowed to do that? Doesn't seem to be anything stopping anyone currently. I mean, I'm not the judge and jury on it, but again, I don't see... I don't see anybody with the money being stopped from being doing anything they want there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot. Yeah, money is uh, all the serfs out there, you know, just get stay at home and and hear what the rich people tell them or folks like me, a blue collar worker breaking ranks, (laughs) you know, yeah, who's just basically saying, no, 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 the rich people are lying to everybody. But lo and behold, that's something that the world has kind of seen historically or should see especially the way the world is right now. Mm-hmm. A lot of the world is a rich people's trick. Right, right. Uh, have you seen anything to confirm or deny the existence of these pyramids buried, buried underneath Antarctica? <laughs> I've heard, you know, I, that's I, all over I the place. Confirm, I could not confirm or deny the pyramids from where I was at. I was at the South Pole Station legitimately. So yeah. we were at 10,300 feet of actual elevation. Oh, we were above pretty much everything, wow. you know, for the most part on the continent. So our view was nothing. It was just flat white ice. And then we had ice tunnels that went underneath in the 2010 summer season. They blew something up. We were told that it was the old pole. I'm still researching that. Um, the 1957 facility that was the first winter oversight we were told they blew that up they Hmm. blew something up and you know i'm i'm looking into there's a discrepancy but i don't have an answer on that one yet okay okay um you you mentioned seasons and winters and summers is there really a difference down there (laughs) believe it or not there's a drastic difference really Yes, uh, in the summertime, uh, let's see. So December, I think it was December 24th, 2010, was the hottest day of the year for me at the South Pole. And it was minus five degrees Fahrenheit. And I could go outside dressed like this, for real, to have a cigarette. I was a smoker at the time. And it was annoying because you would get too hot the atmosphere is so thin and the uh, the radiating aspect of the sun is so powerful with no covering on your skin you you actually start to heat up you're you're like cooking oh. so you could go outside and have your smoke real quick on the hot day cuz you can only take the heat so much yeah the south pole is very backwards place in certain things so that was one of the abnormalities that we noticed is that you could actually feel very hot in very cold temperatures 
It doesn't make sense, but that's how it felt. It felt the same as being out in the sun on a hot day, but it was technically minus five out. On the coldest day for us was in the in the winter, it went down to, I think it was minus 103.4 ambient. And that's it's and that's still just a whole other it's a whole other thing. Um, I would tell folks that minus, you know, because things get cold. You go. A lot of folks don't realize that when you go below zero in the spectrums, um, minus forty is the same for Celsius and Fahrenheit, and then they uh -huh. diverge again. But on the Fahrenheit scale, I would tell folks that minus sixty is like twice as bad as minus fifty. Minus seventy is twice as bad as minus sixty. Minus 80s twice. Like people don't get the stuff. Like everybody talks about wind chill and like, oh, you know, the wind chill is like minus 80. Yeah. Have you ever been in minus 80? What do you mean the wind chill is like minus 80? Like as if, <laughs> like as if you've ever seen that. What are you talking about? You know. Yeah. Um, but then when you get to minus 90, actually, that doubles scale. Something happens at minus 90 degrees ambient, where um, the way that your body off gases. Because also it's a zero percent humidity environment, so the way that your body off gases at that minus ninety thing, it's like you can also again go outside dressed like this, and you don't feel the cold Ugh. because you're you're now you're you're dehydrating at savage rate. You're not going to last forever, <laughs> but you can go outside for that cigarette break again, dressed very lightly. And you don't feel the cold for a while. There's like this. There's like this barrier that's about you. That as long as you have the right hydration level, you'll off gas for a while. And that jetting away from you, it's enough of your heat going away that's keeping the cold at bay. So you're not perceptibly feeling it. Did you have to like get acclimated to that? I mean, weather and stuff like that to be in that cold, or it took you a while to get that comfortable in it. Abs absolutely, yeah. and I was on the savage scale of being acclimated. I was one of the few people that went out to the degree that I went outside um, for the winter season that I was there. I was uh, probably on a short list of maybe three people that went outside the most, and between the three of us, it would be questionable as to who was outside the most. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue with them. It was one of you know, we, we all spent a bunch of time outside out of out of forty nine people, but out of forty nine people. There was a lot of people that didn't even have to go near outside. So, if you went somewhere like to to do a job at another location, what what? How would you travel? For the for the most part, it was on foot. I had a backpack that um, I would load up with the gear and the tools and stuff that I would need, or I would take like another bag of stuff if it was excessive stuff that I needed to bring. Or I always had like um, what they call an Akio sled, which is just you know like. <laughs> like a dog sled, I would I would drag it like a like no. I'm the animal. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. At minus <laughs> at minus fifty degrees, the uh, the United States Antarctic Program and Raytheon proper decide that the um, the equipment will be too negatively impacted by the weather. So if it goes colder than minus fifty, which is pretty much the most part of the winter, um, you can't use snow machines or piston bullies unless yeah. it's an, uh, an emergency. So regular operations, you know, I would I would put the request in and just get denied. They would say, nope, you can't use the snow machine. We're concerned about it getting damaged, which basically meant, all right, you can, you know, strap on a sling and 
drag the gear three quarters <laughs> of a mile in the exact same weather. <laughs> I'm curious. Um, today, I just briefly scanned through some of your podcasts that you had done, and you know, blogs and stuff like that. And I'd seen that um, you were talking about something that was just an awakening for you that happened when you were there. Do you want to touch on that about? Um, with stars and seeing more? Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I've had a lot of... I'm like trying to think of something more specific to the, answer yeah. the question. Um, the stars were off the wall. I mean, that mm -hmm. was... Um, it's very... It's very hard to put to words, and that's probably the best way to put it, is that having been there, mm -hmm. I can just tell you that photography does no justice to reality. The right. folks there that I assure you are experts at taking pictures at the wintertime in the South Pole. The guy that I was there with has the record for most winters, um, Robert Schwartz. And it's very challenging for the light conditions and the cold conditions because it's so dark. Like when the auroras and the stars are there, the camera's not really getting the light. So they're playing tricks with the shutter and stuff like that okay. and time. So it has to absorb and that saturates things differently. So it's like, yes, you're still getting this picture that's beautiful and nothing like you've ever seen, but it it, it means nothing to what you see when you're there. Huh. It's like it's it's hard to it's hard to say. It's like the 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 photo is a lame representation of reality. Cameras don't really work there to capture what you're seeing with your eyes. And how does that compare? <laughs> yeah. How does that compare to where you are now? Uh, you know, as far as the environment goes, and just your surroundings. I guess you're more in a city or town setting. Yeah, I'm. I'm in um, Anchorage, Alaska, which right. is the most metropolitan city I would say in Alaska proper, at least that I've seen. Mm -hmm. um, but it's still pretty. It's still pretty rural. Alaska has only become a state in 1957. So the term I like to use is that it's undeveloped. Okay. Right. It would be another term would be a modern day wild west. <laughs> do, do you like the cold weather or something or what's going on with i love the cold weather i'm so happy that summer is ending <laughs> i've had okay. enough of the heat as much as we call heat here for summer in alaska i'm 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 more of a fan of the winter time now the south pole station broke my body thermostat Oh. I went there with, uh, you know, I was a, a plumbing and heating guy from New York. So I had an experience, you know, working around the clock in the wintertime, doing no heat calls, dealing with the wintertime and stuff like that. So I was certainly um, not a green hand when it came to cold weather exposure. And when I was going to the South Pole, I mean, I have no, I have no affinity for the cold, right? But I just thought to myself, well, you know what? It's the South Pole. It's going to be really freaking cold. But the cool thing is, is, hey, you know what? Once I get this under my belt, I'll never be cold again, right? That was where my brain was at. And that turned out to be completely true. I don't really get cold. I'm like everybody else. I don't like to be cold, but I don't get cold. I know how to deal with it. I know, how to, I know everything about how to deal with being cold. What I don't know how to deal with is being hot. And what I can't tolerate is being hot. Not at this point. Not with the amount of cold exposure <laughs> I've had. You can't pay me to sweat at work. You've got to be kidding me. 
Like who who digs ditches at a hundred degrees? Are you out of your mind? So you don't want to come oh, visit no. me for the summer uh, here in Texas? No, 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 no. Yeah, I've done oil field work up here in Alaska, and I've seen pictures and video of oil field work in Texas, and I know the place that I'd rather be working at. I don't know how people do that stuff in the heat, baking in the sun. I mean, I'll I'll take brutal, brutal cold temperatures for work any day. Mm. You know the really cool thing about minus 40 degrees out outside when you're working? Nothing. <laughs> head out the door and goes, what do you need? What do you guys need out there? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, they just start giving you everything you want when it gets cold enough. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, um, to change the subject a little bit, I was, uh, and I, before we came on there, I told you that I was into the Bigfoot thing and what are your thoughts on that? I think that's awesome, actually. The Bigfoot thing is new on my radar. I mean, there's a lot of compartments that I try to, you know, break indoors and make connections to. But the Bigfoot one is new to me because, <clears throat> I mean, I was I was raised under the propaganda that Bigfoot was, you know, like almost like a Neanderthal or the missing link. But certainly we weren't presented it like an intelligent being at all when I was growing up. Okay. It's only recently that I'm hearing that this is not the, the end-all, say-all of the story and that there's potential that Bigfoot is actually like this extremely intelligent portal manufacturing and jumping time-traveling space cop, potentially, which makes the story way more interesting to me. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> yeah. I don't know about the whole portal jumping. I've heard plenty of experiences with that, but I know they're they're pretty smart. Um, I've heard stories of people who have like the motion lights and sensors on their property, uh, and they would find sticks like laid on the on the edge of the property, and they figured it out that they were putting the sticks down so that they would know if we cross this stick, the light will come on. I mean, that's you know, some people oh. people aren't that smart. You know, <laughs> I believe that I've I've done um. I've done work in remote facilities up in the Arctic here in Alaska where we had polar bear issues. Uh -huh. Polar bears are extremely smart and they hunt humans. They straight oh. up, we are, we are prey in their spectrum. So the facilities that I would work at, we had hardcore security forces. We had, we had illumination. We had movement detectors we had heat we had all kinds of sensors and things to watch for polar bears because we had a very real clear and present danger yeah but it never failed these bears would figure out the lighting oh and we could watch that you know the security guys would bring me i was on the maintenance crew so part of you know the cat like directing the cameras and the lights to you know make sure we're all working on a team to keep the oil rig cans from getting eaten by bears um but long story short we could watch the videos and you could see that the bears would pay very close attention to the edges of the shadows when they were entering the property oh they would stealthily approach and they would boldly depart so they would walk around our property and we'd get them on all kinds of different camera angles and it was funny because when they would leave they would leave right in broad daylight oh. and it was it was you could you could you could see them thinking hmm hey, that's interesting yeah that's it smart smart creatures um, yeah 
I was really surprised they didn't need anybody, to be honest, because there were so many times that they were walking around with authority unbeknownst to the local population. They, they had... Wow. They had control of the situation. They could have snatched folks. I was watching it on camera. Huh. I was That's watching... I was coming inside to a security guy that was showing me camera clips of stuff that just happened when I was just outside, which was infuriating to me. Because now all of a sudden I had realized that the, the proximity issues that were going on and it was, right. you know, a lot of stuff was, you know, need to know basis, so to say. They didn't want us running around the whole camp, screen polar bear and stuff like that. But there were certain right. folks that I was talking to constantly about stuff and the presence was very real. It was unnerving to me. A lot of people were teasing me, right? A lot of the other folks that weren't in the know. Like I'd be, I would exit a building. I would literally sprint across the street to another <laughs> building during it inside. And everybody's teasing me because, you know, folks right. from Texas that are oil hands up here, they'd be like, what are you scared of, boy? And I'd be like, don't worry. I'm just going to go across the street. You take all the time you want. Yeah. <laughs> you afraid of a little bear going to get you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's funny. Yeah. You be uh, as bold as you want. Take your right. time. Right. Um. So Shannon here, she's actually into the paranormal. Uh, paranormal she does a lot of investigations, does a lot of events, uh, hosts a lot of events. Actually, uh, what are your thoughts on paranormal? Oh, I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, what are yeah. what are the five senses that we have right now worth so far? I I can't imagine there's not something else going on that hasn't been discussed yet, because we all seem to be observing things that happen outside the five senses. Mm -hmm. So some of us use more than five. Yeah. yeah, some of us use more than five. And, and mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's funny. It's like, um, I think anybody can really connect to that if they put the work in. I mean, the more that I connect to spirit and energy, like the more open I am, the more I connect to in a way, like when I'm in investigations and stuff like that or connecting or when I see an apparition and another story. It doesn't happen all the time, but when it does, it's just like, you know, there was a time when that stuff didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Before you tap into something, it's like a muscle, you know, and opening up different parts of your brain. So I'm intrigued yeah, by all that stuff. I've seen UFOs on occasion. I have a, a ghost story under my belt, so to say, from when I was a kid. That was pretty wild, actually. We had, sure. um, excuse me, we had a, um, we had a friend of mine. When I was in grammar school, we had a kid that had, had lived... Um, far away from us. I had gone to a Catholic grammar school, so you have children from all different neighborhoods, you know, not just your immediate proximity. Um, but this one kid had lived further away and moved within a few blocks of us. So it was like, hey, look, you know, he's in the neighborhood. We started hanging out at his house. And um, I don't know if you guys remember, but back in the 80s, they had um, like these... Um, what do you call them? They were like velour, like they were like these um, fluorescent, like posters that had like the black. Um, oh yeah. On them, and they were like you know you put a a, a a black light on them, and they were shiny. They were like these weird like hippie posters and stuff. With the black felt or fuzzy, yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. They felt yeah. fuzzy stuff on them, and the, and the high glow colors. Right. And for whatever reason, my friend had one of these over its fireplace, but it was like, it was a scene of like Jesus at the lake. With like you know the the people and he's talking to the people and you know preaching at the lake and I, I went to Catholic school so it wasn't that out of the ordinary. Hey, look, you know, you got a, 
photo of Jesus, even though it's in like this weird hippie version, you know. <laughs> and um, and this kid had um, upstairs in his house, on the second floor, they had um, where his bedroom was. Was the dog had recently had a litter of puppies. That same bedroom, his, like, the history on the house was that in that bedroom, there was previously a kid who lived there who had committed suicide. Mm. We were downstairs just playing, a whole bunch of kids just having fun. The picture up on the fireplace, the puppies are upstairs in the box yapping away like puppies do, right? And as we were downstairs playing whatever we were playing, all of a sudden it sounded like upstairs, like the puppy sound didn't sound like puppies anymore it started sounding like people talking and somebody had made note of this and we were like we had all paused and we're like what you know what what did you say what do you mean it sounds like and we're listening and it and it did sound like people talking and it was getting louder and we were like kind of all just like looking around at each other and then all of a sudden somebody was like hey Jesus was on the other side of the lake. And we all look over at the picture and we're all like, holy, like, yeah, like you're like, and now we're all flipping out and arguing about what the hell is going on. Jesus was on the other side of the lake. We're all huh. flipping out about that when we now started to notice again that the puppy sound now, the talking sound it really sounded like a crowd of people up in that room talking like extru like it was freaky and we decided to just we ran out of the front door of the house and all of our like we were kids all of our bikes were over by the curb you know piled up there's a whole bunch of kids at the house all so we all like ran over like we were running towards our bikes like skidding like sliding into home to get to our bikes the front door is wide open and like all the noise, like everything had just gotten so loud inside that, that we ran out and we were at the curb. I remember somebody said, should we go back inside or something? Like Somebody said, like, should we go back inside? And then from inside the house, clear as day, loud and clear, you just heard, no. <laughs> we got on our bikes. I rode away from that house. I never went back in my life. I never went back there in my life. That was, was like, like a cross between Beetlejuice and Stranger Things. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no, yeah. I, I remember we ran into some kids that we were friends with on the way home. It was like, you know, our friend's house that was on the way home. And we were flipping out. And they were like, what's going on? And we're like, we told them the whole thing. And I was, just, and I was, it. It was like, all right. Yeah. Never going back there again. Not my friend. Who's that guy? What? What? Oh, kid. <laughs> that kind of leads into, I guess, the next question I had for you. I, uh, Shannon was talking about, you know, uh, uh, you know, like her abilities, and I've seen you talk about uh, the CIA uh, dabbling with the remote viewing and uh, other things like that. What What are your personal thoughts on remote viewing and the capabilities of it, and people being able to do it? I think everybody needs to start learning what their true capacities are. This There's is an a, awakening. Yeah. Yep. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't pretend to have all of the answers, whether it's your sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth. I don't know which sense it is, but it's a skill set that we, 
we all have within our fingertips, so to say, figuratively. Right. It would be, it's you know, a lot of the folks in the programs when it originated, they would equate it to like playing a guitar. That anybody has the ability to learn how to play the guitar. There's no one stopping you from learning how to play the guitar. Certainly some people are more proficient than others. But if it turned out that learning how to play the guitar meant everything in the world to you, then I would suggest you should do it. That's all. And that's why I think, you know, a lot of disinformation is prevalent on so many levels. And our innate ability to do this thing collectively called remote viewing is something that's being hidden from the majority of people. This, this energy, this paranormal skill, this power. <laughs> yeah. Being, I, I, abused, being abused and misused by some. Right. Um, and it's something that anyone can learn, apparently. And I think the, and you got this stuff from the CIA website, I believe. Uh, well, I, I have a lot of documentation that supports my experiences for uh -huh. sure. Yep, you can go to the archive section on deciphering.tv. There is stuff that I pulled straight from the CIA stuff. I mean, there's nothing stopping people from doing this. I'm happy to do the legwork. Right. Any go to the CIA website, and there is a freedom of information area, and you can mine that, and you can look for things. They don't make it easy, um, but there's a lot of info in there. I'm finding right. stuff regularly. Right, and that's but that's one of the things that, like I said, I liked about you is that you were like, you know, you you can go here and find it yourself. You know, you don't have to just you know take my word for it. Yeah, and, you know. I mean, look look at the world around, like you guys, folks, everybody paying attention. Like, look at what listening to folks tell you has gotten us today. Right. We we as a people yeah. have stopped having this quality known as discernment. We mm -hmm. lack the ability to know when someone's lying to us anymore. Not me. You know, because <laughs> if they can provide a link, it must mean it's true, right? Right. There's that intuitive yeah, impact you know? in me. I, I can tell when someone's lying with their intent is right away. It's just you can't, you can't BS me. And I'm like, you can't always call people out. That's the, <laughs> the bad thing about it. It's but yeah, you're right. To decide if the person speaking to them is convincing or not. If the person's not being convincing, don't be convinced. Mm -hmm. Leave the challenge right at their feet to work harder on their position to be convincing. Yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. trust like the science. I've right. worked at enough science facilities. Saying trust the science is like saying trust the lawyer. <laughs> as, as if lawyers can't argue with really? each other as if right. all scientists agree are you kidding me right. if all scientists agree we don't need to issue another grant we don't have to cut another check for any more science if all science is agreed upon mm -hmm. right yeah. we save yeah. a lot of money as taxpayers now since we don't have to argue with science anymore we we apparently have everything all figured out yeah apparently, apparently. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and I like your sign in the back there too. Oh yeah, this is uh, I'm getting a lot of a lot of compliments on that yeah, one. Uh, I like that. It's becoming um, truer and truer to the eyes of the average person every single day. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Hashtag China owns Biden. In case anybody hasn't noticed, uh, the country uh, of China owns the president <laughs> of our country, and that's not working out for us. In case uh, anybody what, hasn't noticed yet. What's your stance on global warming? Global warming's a psyop. 
I mean, climate change occurs naturally. Right. And because I'm a um, excellent plumbing and heating specialist, I understand <laughs> thermal masses. It is simply a conversation of thermal masses. Let's discuss the sphere known as the Earth and the volume and the mass and the temperature of that. And then we can discuss the skin coat of water on the surface, which is a different thermal mass. And then we can discuss the atmosphere, which is a different thermal mass. And then we can discuss the relationships between solids, liquids, and gases in this trinity, trinity relationship that was just presented. The solid being the biggest, hottest one, the liquid being minuscule and thin, and the gas being voluminous but still thin relatively. There's very little that we, the people, as presented by the guilt propaganda scheme, we, the people, as a small mass on the surface of the planet, can only produce so much of anything to exhaust into the atmosphere, which is A, voluminous compared to our exhaust, but B, is minuscule in a thermal mass capacity compared to C, the water, and D, the earth. So when we're talking about thermal masses and what's going on on this planet, we need to discuss all of them in the equation, right. not just the atmosphere, because right. the atmosphere is relative to the water and to the earth, and all of these things give us a mean temperature. A lot of people like to cherry-pick the information that they're right. looking on this planet. Again, a lot of the stuff that I learned in Antarctica and dealing with that science facility and other science facilities that I've since worked at on the planet, there is a lead and lag time between what they're investing in out in the field and then when it filters through academia before it gets to the general population. Right. Yeah, I saw one of your uh, your shows. You talked about uh, the the rate of the ice melting, but also ice growing. Yes, and yep. no one talks about that. Correct. They're che they're che that's exactly where my brain was going. I'm so glad yeah. you did that. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're cherry picking the information that they want to talk about. You know, first and foremost, there's a debate to be had about the rate at which the ice is receding. But regardless of that, that's where they're holding everybody's attention. What they're not discussing is the rate at which a glacier may grow. How come they don't discuss that? Do they because mention ever, you know, when they talk about a glacier retreating and they go, oh, well, this was where it was at um, two years ago. And this is where it was at 20 years ago. And now since, you know, since 1800, it's receded a half a mile. And that's atrocious. Really? Well, what if it turns out if it can grow 10 miles in two years? Mm -hmm. Well, then well, it turns out the rate of retreat means nothing. Right. But these are fair conversations to be had, but they don't ever want to discuss in any region how fast a glacier may grow. Yeah. You don't have the dramatic pictures of ice growing as you do the dramatic footage of ice falling into the sea. Right, no. because one one covers a biased agenda and one does not. Thank yeah. you. I was going to say, yeah. it depends on the yeah. agenda. 
Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I've worked up here in Alaska here. for quite some time. I've been um, closer to polar bears than I ever want to be. I don't like polar bears. <laughs> I think there's too many of them. I'm aware of how healthy the population is because I have to be in areas where I have to sometimes arm myself to prevent myself from getting eaten by polar bears. Mm -hmm. But with that being said, I also don't succumb to the propaganda of news ads that show a polar bear soaking wet on an ice flow. And then they try to make it out like the ice is melting. So the polar bear is stuck on the ice and going to drown or something. Right. Like as yeah, if they don't swim for hundreds of miles. Like yeah. if that's not exactly what they're designed to do. Right. You yeah. know, but they want to pull the people's heartstrings. Oh, look at the poor bear. He's floating out on the ice, stranded. He doesn't know what to do. What? He knows Come exactly on. what he's doing. He knows, yeah, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's going to go wherever he wants to go. He's going to find <laughs> food. And that's what they do all day long. But right. nobody wants to talk about populations growing. Nobody wants to talk about glaciers growing. Nobody wants to talk about the temperatures down in Antarctica being consistently colder year after year from 2010 until now. Right. You know, nobody wants to discuss that the reason that all of the ice is calving off in Antarctica has nothing to do with global warming, but it just has to do with the structural integrity of the ice. That when it grows so much, as it moves out over the water, because lest we forget it's not on land, it's breaking off over the water. That's because there's so much ice, it can't structurally hold itself together anymore, folks. Because <laughs> yeah. it's growing so much. She's talking. Okay. She's on mute. Sorry. Just like when like you're driving in mountainous areas or whatever, and they have put a road through it and you know they watch out for you know falling rocks and stuff like that the structure is just not as solid or strong anymore so it is going to have some breakage on the edges right. structurally yep. absolutely mudslides yeah. and, and all that kind of stuff and as it grows faster and faster oddly enough the peculiarity of the weirdness of the poles and things being backward the faster it grows the more you're going to see it cap off Right. But then you're going to see the propagandist and the liars and the shills and the snake oil salesmen saying the opposite because they're trying to sell you a carbon tax. Yeah. Go, oh, look at what you're doing. You're destroying the world. And look at the ice is falling off of Antarctica. And it was pristine until you woke up in the morning and drove your car to work. How dare you pay <laughs> your mortgage? Oh, by the way, but if you don't pay your mortgage, the bank is coming and taking your house back. Sorry about that aspect. Yeah. The catch 22 for you. There you go. Um, so we, we kind of talked about uh, uh, how some information is it, you know, is withheld. What do you think about information that the Pentagon released, I guess, what, last year about the UFOs? It's a total, it's a total smokescreen. It's a joke and yeah. a farce. It's, um, it's a limited hangout by some people's definition, or it's them being the gatekeeper by other folks' definition. I think it was with the last 24 to 40 hours they were talking about the NDAA having um, provisions for an official department on UAP disclosure, which is just an, another angle of control because they just, they're changing the terms on things to, it's semantics at this point. I mean, the fact that we even have to say UAP instead of UFO is because they're already um, moving the goalpost on what the conversation is. <laughs> yeah, 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 I, uh, I kind of looked at it like a, as a flea flicker. <laughs> That's what I was looking at. What, oh, yeah. it's a flea flicker? 
Uh, you know, like in football, where you you know, like the runner back runs behind and he throws the the, oh. the, the quarterback throws it to the runner back, then the runner back throws the ball down and kind of like it's just, it's just, yeah, yeah, you know. they just yeah, they just totally yep, they're they're totally yeah, yeah it's it's like the shell game. They just move. Yeah, there you go. Not, I mean, at any point in time, there's nothing stopping the U.S. government from telling the truth, right? There's nothing stopping them from telling the truth except them. The only thing that the disclosure proved to the American people was that the U.S. government was lying. That's it. I mean, for the whole time, they just basically were sitting there like, nah, 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 I don't know what's going on. And now all of a sudden, they're just like, oh, there was something going on. They haven't said what was going on yet. So, right, exactly, yeah. So all they've really said was, you know what? Up until this point, you're right, we were lying. But right. now we're going to just We'll throw stop. you a bone and leave you hanging yeah. and decide yeah, how we still want you to they believe still it now. said anything. Um, all I've basically said to folks is that it appears that the U.S. government has left the door open. That's it. That's all they've done. They have not stated anything except there's an open door now. That's it. They, they, they no longer have a locked door to the conversation of UFOs or UAPs. What they're not going to do is initiate the conversation. Right. But apparently the door is open. So that's where, like myself, I feel quite comfortable speaking what I've learned. And I, I am suggesting to other people that they take advantage of the open door. All I can do is lead by example and say, follow me. I'm going to go ripping through the door. There's stuff that I know, and I'm going to go screaming from the hills because the door is open. Right. Yeah. Um, what, what is Stargate? Stargate is is it's like uh, the key of all keys. Okay. It is, um, from my understanding, as as presented in the media, um, the movie, the television series, everything that I am learning and digging and connecting dots to is saying that this is the first time that the CIA was so bold to put a cinema angle to a project in real time, like alongside of it as a cover operation. <laughs> that They had done this before with movies and TV shows to hide things in plain sight, but it was usually like a preconditioning or post-conditioning. It was never alongside like the Stargate program was. Right. And that people need to start wrapping their heads around that being completely real. I mean, I've seen the movie, I've seen some of the TV series, not all of it, um, but it's my understanding that it's extensive, detail-oriented, and very disclosure-y. Hmm. That people should start to get comfortable with that and, and other avenues of disclosure that are presented in the media that a lot of Hollywood has been used to mask things for some but to educate for others. I mean, this is where, you know, the idea of a gatekeeper and a key master comes in. You know, if it turns out that a movie is made for the masses and the vast majority of people just go, oh, wow, that was a cool movie. You know, I'm glad I had some popcorn and a hot dog while I got to see it sucking down a Coca-Cola, you know. Right. But then there's other folks that, you know, are in the know where somebody might shoot out a group email and say, hey, listen, there was a production that was made and it turns out that, this is, you know, actually a true story. You need to pay attention to it. It could, it could just be that simple that you can kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, it, it makes me wonder sometimes. Uh, 
or some of the ideas these Hollywood producers and directors where they get their ideas from, I guess you could say, or, you know. Yeah. How about, here's one for you. In in my experiences that I've put out there, uh, I had a short stint in the submarine service with the United States Navy. One of the things that I learned in there that is out of the ordinary, which goes right par for the course, what we were just discussing, the, the book and the movie, The Hunt for Red October, as presented by Tom Clancy, who supposedly authored them. He's not an author. Right. That's a true story. Right. So here right. we have one of these circumstances. My experience, I was taught that the hunt for Red October is a true story. Hmm. And we were required to watch that movie in basic enlisted submarine school. Really? It was part of our training. Hmm. Not because it was fake. Not because what he wrote was untrue. But now understand that what he wrote was 100% true. But since it's true, that means he's not a fiction writer. Right. What about the rest of his stories? Yeah. Dissemination? Cover? Propaganda in some places? Education in others? It depends on who holds the key for what story. But yeah, this that's right. around us is it's a sea of misinformation and disinformation. But for those who lack discernment, you will suffer the whims of your overlords. Pay attention to what's going on in the world around us right now, lest everybody is walking around every day doing what they want. I, I don't recall uh, this level of oppression in my youth. I never thought that I would see this in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Shame on me for wanting to live this my is life. A picture of freedom that was painted before my eyes when I was a child. Something went wrong somewhere. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I don't have all of the answers, but I thumb my nose in every direction I look right now to the people that are telling me what's supposed to be going on. Right. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so, with all of that. Um, Eric, you have anything you want to tell people as far as like if they're interested in any of this information, and give some good links to maybe or oh. even good books for that matter. I know you you're pretty oh, well yeah. read that. In the in the grand scheme of um, open mindedness and recommendations, I highly recommend. Um, you had brought up Gateway. We had talked remote viewing and things like that. And since we're talking about opening up the mind and spreading the truth, there is a wonderful book called Stalking the Wild Pendulum on the mechanics of consciousness and it is written by itzhak bentov and that book was referenced heartily in the cia remote viewing program that i was involved in as a child and it is incorporated with the monroe institute um hemisync stuff so this is a lot of stuff that people can utilize to unlock their own minds i mean there's there are like a horse, blinders can be applied, and society has done that to many of us. But through intention and knowing thyself, you can remove the blinders, folks. You can you can see things on broader horizons. And I enjoy conversations like we had today because I think it connects us all to the idea of just bigger perspectives and different experiences. You know, I know you guys are looking into things 
differently. So am I. And I want everybody out there just to always ask questions, to always look for the paranormal, to not be caught in the norm. Um, I think it was Mark Twain that said, um, anytime I find myself in the majority, I try to separate myself because by definition, there's enough people there already. Right. right. And so that's kind of like where I got the name Beyond the Woodline. You know, yeah, yeah. you know, looking beyond the woodline for me because I'm a Bigfoot guy. So, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yes, people need to yeah get you know think beyond the boundaries of where society is at. Anytime you find yourself in the majority, distance yourself from the majority as a matter of practice. Right, you'll be a better off person for it. Now, where can people find you? Uh, find you to listen to your shows. Uh, the best place to find me right now is deciphering.tv. It's my website, and that's where I put out all of my 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 full truth content, so to say. Um, I also have a presence on YouTube. I go by deciphering my experience, um, but obviously I have to deal with the, the censorship monkeys and stuff going on over there. Um, but that's just, you know, life contemporarily for the, the uh, tyrannical planet that we live on. <laughs> Everybody should resist. There you go. We got the resistance. Yeah. Yep. Well, cool, Regular man. Resistance. Shannon, do you have anything you want to add, Shannon, or say or ask? Um, I'm really interested to, to chat more. I did want to talk to you maybe like at another time, chat about a, a question that I had. But um, Tiffany, thank you for coming in and uh, being part of the group tonight. And it was cool talking to you. We have to have you back on with, uh, when I don't have my kid in the background and my neighbors racing golf carts. And <laughs> no problem at all. Yeah, love you. <laughs> But I'd like yeah, to yeah, we touched on a bunch of different subjects, which is what I wanted to do. I want everybody to kind of get the, you know, get the feel for you and see what, if they go look you up. I hope they all go look you up and, right. and see that uh, you're a pretty knowledgeable guy. Like I was telling you off the air, man, you, you certainly seem like one of those guys. If you don't know the answer, you're, you'll go find it. You know, I so, want to go look for Bigfoots in Alaska now, actually, too. So there maybe you, go. That's you can tell for me. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I know there's plenty of sightings up there of some kind of Sasquatch, whatever you want to call it. You know, but cool, man. Well, all right, guys, uh, we're coming to the end of the show, and I want to thank everybody in the chat room. Um, thank you guys for participating, as always. Thank you, Eric, for joining us tonight. And dude, you did a really good job. And uh, like Shannon said, man, we got to have you on again, and you know, go into right. depth on more of these subjects. You know, right? Part two. Yeah. Love, yeah, light, indeed. and peace to everyone. I think that's Robert. Yeah, that's a good way to end the show, Robert. Well, all right, guys. Y'all have a good night, and uh, we'll see you guys next week, right? I'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be all doing right. um, a solo investigation at the uh, Masonic Temple and then cutting the investigation to the podcast and go back on again. So, okay. But I can't wait. Oh, that's right. We have Adam on tomorrow, so yeah, yeah. see you tomorrow. So cool there is. Hey, and Eric, I, I I do apologize to you personally from uh, Monday. We were supposed to have that big storm that never even came. So, well, well at least for us, it, uh, I feel sorry for the people that it went. Yeah, it's all good. Things like that happen all the time. I always say, um, life happens at the speed of life. What are you going to do? <laughs> there you go. Yes, sir. All right, guys, y'all have a good night. Thank you. Thanks.